You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God as you see that open your Bible at Mark chapter 4. Now, how many of you, I don't know how long you've had your motor car, what kind of motor cars you have, and if you don't have a motor car, believe God for a car, you have a car on the way. I just want to cover everybody. But I remember when I was growing up, when I was a young man, still am, I got to, you know, just I, praise God, I still see visions. Young men shall see visions. Amen. But uh, when I was younger than young, <laughs> I had a number of cars, you know, as I went along, but uh, the cars that I got were usually hand-me-downs or what I could scrape together and kind of buy and, you know, just trying to do the best that we can. And the thing is that I could afford, just barely afford to get the car. But after that, I didn't have much left to be able to service it. And so... The car you just kind of trusted would keep going as long as it can without services. You know, how long do you drive a car before you put more oil in it? You know, how far can an engine go? But every now and then you get to a place where sometimes you get into the car and, you know, you, you, you're kind of hoping, because I wasn't born again, this was just that human empty hope that when you turn the key, you just hope today it works. I mean, how do you know what I'm talking about? Even if you've never experienced, you can kind of identify. But you get to a point where sometimes you get in that car and you turn it, and as you turn the key, you get that, and then you go, uh, 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 not, no, not, not today, not, not today. How many of you ever been through that? There are a few that can identify. And then you go, now, okay, now you've got to be cautious. Number one, don't flood the engine. Number two, You've got to know that there's, there's, how much power is left in that battery. Because how have you ever gone to a point where you're, and you're okay, hold back. Just catch its breath. And, and, and you can almost hear it dying on you. You get to where you go, you know. That somewhere along the line, you get to get to that dreaded. <laughs> that's that. Now you know it's over. Come on, how do you know what I'm talking about? If you get the dick, 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 you realize, okay, that, that the battery is gone. What happened? The power is gone. You do not want to be in a place where you have the whole vehicle with wheels and gears, a full tank of petrol, it's ready, it can be used, the radio's waiting, the indicators are waiting, the gears all work, but there's no power. The Word of God says there are people who have a form of godliness, but deny the power. You and I were not born again just to get to heaven. We were not saved just to have a religious experience, to go through rituals, to try and appease a God who seems endlessly got all these rules and things that we, it's impossible for a man to ever achieve and hope that one day you do enough good to just slip into heaven. God did not save us just to have a religious experience. 
You were born again as a child of God where the law was laid aside that you were forgiven of all sin. Why? To restore you to the former glory of how God intended for man to live the way Jesus lived, where He demonstrated the full power of God. And Jesus said, for this reason I came, to destroy the work of the enemy. I have come to seek and save that which was lost. And when I go, I must go so that I can send the Holy Spirit and He will not only be with you, He will be in you. So wait until you receive power from on high. That word power is the word dunamis. Implied in the Greek of that word is what we understand to be a dynamo. The reason that battery died on you is because it didn't get enough power from the alternator. The dynamo is there to give power, but the battery itself lost the power. It's not that the car didn't have power, something went wrong with the battery. A lot of Christians are living their lives today and they do it religiously. They'll be in church services, they'll sing the songs, clap their hands, shout the loudest, bring the tithe, confess the Word, but somehow, where's the power? Why have I not seen the power that everybody talks about? If there are miracles, where are they? Why is my life in a mess? Why have I always been struggling? Why is it that I never seem to be able to get to a place where I'm now? I'm walking in the health of God. Why is it every day seems to be a battle? It seems like a fight every single day. What is it? Because Jesus said that power will set you free. That power will deliver you. That power will heal you. That power will provide for you. So what happened? Yeah, we see in Mark chapter 4, Jesus gives a very interesting parable. And this is one of the key parables. And I often, every year I'm going to study it and go into it in some form of detail. Because Jesus said, if you don't understand this parable, verse 13. Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? In other words, whatever I've got to teach you, if you don't get this, you're not going to understand anything else I've got to tell you. That makes this a key parable, a foundation. And he had got through teaching on how seed was sown in different types of soil and there were different results. One the birds just ate the seed and there was no harvest, of course, because there was no seed left. Others, the seed began to grow and it looked like it was producing a harvest, but then it was choked out. And you see these different types and then it gets to the good soil where it produces a wonderful harvest. How many you want to be that soil? But obviously, before we get there, Jesus is teaching something very interesting and He says in verse 14, the sower sows the Word. The Word. Luke's cross-reference says the seed is the Word of God. The Word of God. How many of you recognize that God sent His Word for purpose? The Word says He sent His Word to heal and to deliver you from destruction. The hearing of that Word brings faith. 
And he said that when he speaks that word, that word won't return void. It'll accomplish what he sent it for. In other words, his word was sent for purpose, to produce. And he says that he will personally oversee that word to perform it. God is obligated. He's obligated himself that he, when he speaks his word, it'll never fail. I said God's word will never fail. And so now the word has been received. My problem is not because I didn't hear enough word. Let me say it again. My problem is not that I didn't hear enough word. I don't have time to go into it tonight, but the word is very clear that there's in, in the day of judgment, no one will be without excuse. People say, but well, what about the person that's stuck in the jungle? Don't they get to go? No, no, the word is very clear that even creation itself God will get the word to everybody. God's not an unjust God. No one's going to stand around, who are you? No, they will know who He is. And they will have been given an opportunity somewhere. Don't let that stop you from going to church. You have heard. I said, you have heard. Amen. So on the hearing of that word, when it looks like it's not working in my life, I know what it's like as a young baby Christian. When you hear it preached from the pulpit, I know the first time I ever heard the Word of God, man, I went out, I wanted to do everything that my pastor said. But how do you know, it, it, it were times when I did exactly what I thought he told me to do and it didn't look like it was working. And it can turn around and say, but God, you said. No, I, I made it an early decision in my life. God is never wrong. The Word always produces. It's not the seed that fails, it's the ground. The seed's been designed to produce. You've got to make sure you get it in the good ground. You take seed and go and plant it in the beach, you can wonder why I don't ever get in any crops. Well, there's no nutrients in sea sand. You've got to make sure it's in the right soil. Come on, say amen. So, it's not the Word's fault that I'm not seeing the results that God says it's going to produce. So Jesus begins to explain. And he says in verse 15, these are the ones by the wayside when the word is sown, when they hear, what happens? Who? Who's that now? Satan comes when? When? When's immediately? When the word is sown. What am I doing tonight? I'm sowing word, aren't I? So when Satan come? He's not going to wait for you to leave. Like, I can't go in there. Those are all Christians. I'll wait in the car park. <laughs> no, he, he's ready. He comes immediately. Why? And he takes away the word that was sown. Why is that? The best time to uproot an oak tree is when it lands as an acorn. If you don't want an oak tree there, take the acorn away. How many you know, once the tree is grown, it's very difficult to get rid of a huge big tree. I mean, you can cut the thing down, pull it out, tear it out the roots, and next, week, next year there's, there's shoots coming out because there's roots down there. So you want to stop it immediately. When you get the word, squash it right there. And so that word is taken away that was sown in their hearts. Your heart is the soil. Verse 16. These likewise, in other words, yeah, we know, it's still Satan involved. 
The enemy's still involved. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground. When they hear the word, they immediately receive it with gladness. Hallelujah. So we're sitting in the service, receive the word. The first option is Satan immediately offends somebody. I, I, don't agree, I don't agree with what he's saying. Well, that word will never help the person. But just block it out before I, while I'm sitting there, it's never going to produce in my life. But this is the hallelujah crowd. Now you can still hallelujah all the way to good soil. Are you with me? The, the problem's not with receiving it with gladness. This is, they get excited about it, but they have no root in themselves. So they only endure for a time. Afterward. So the immediately group, the word was taken away. But Satan says, okay, you're not the immediate group. So I'll wait for you outside. Because in church, you put on a good show. Bless you. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory. You, you look the part. Hallelujah. But afterwards, when tribulation or persecution arises, for what reason? For thee? For thee? I don't understand why I've always got these problems. Uh-huh. Were you in church on Sunday? Now, it's not the word's fault. You know, if you just let the sleeping dog, it won't bite you. No, that's, that's not the issue. Because if you've got no word, there's no faith and you can't grow in the things of God. So the problem is not that you heard the word. But when the enemy attacks, when he comes against us, it's because he knows if you ever get that word down into your heart and put it into action, you're going to start producing what God designed to produce in your life. And that's what he has to stop. So what happens? Now tribulation and persecution begins to happen. I don't understand why the devil always attacks me. You standing for the word. It's not you that he has a problem with. It's the word. It's the word. I said, it's the word. So what's tribulation and persecution? They're similar. We all understand what trouble is. But trouble can come through different ways. Like that car that doesn't start. That would be tribulation. Are you with me? Things happen. Pump your name and say, things do happen. Didn't Jesus say, in this world, you will have tribulation? Did he say that? That's probably not in your list of hallelujah scriptures. Your confession scriptures. Hallelujah, I counted all joy when tribulation comes. Lord, don't worry about stopping tribulation because Jesus said when tribulation happens, be of good cheer and the joy of the Lord is my strength. I need to evoke some joy. Bring it on. That's not usually what we pray, isn't that right? Jesus said you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Get excited. Why? Because I have overcome the world. You're not going through it alone. Things are going to happen. 
Don't crumple on the floor and start crying. I don't understand why this is happening. It's time to stand up. When you see a Goliath, you don't say, why is he here? No, you're going to run at him. So tribulations when stuff happens. Persecutions when people happen. I don't know if I'm talking to anyone yet tonight. Have you you had any people happen to you this week? Probably yesterday. Come on, Ham, you know what I'm talking about. They might have been sitting next to you. People happen. Persecution. So what happens? When the tribulation, persecution happens, they have no root in themselves. What happens? They, they stumble. They stumble. What is that? Well, let's look at that from the Amplified. Verse 17. They have no real root in themselves. So they endure for a little while. Then when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, They immediately are offended. They become displeased, indignant, resentful. I'm not talking, I'm talking to the person you're going to give the CD to. They become indignant, resentful. What happens? They begin to get angry. They're offended. People should know better. Why do they always? How come people don't? I don't understand why these things. I don't know. And what happens? Through that grumbling, through that being displeased, doesn't matter what you say, what you do, just can't get to a place where you can please this person. This, that, that, what happens? It, it stirs up such indignation and resentful. What happens? Immediately they, they stumble and then fall away. That's just a process the enemy's using to get us to slip and then eventually get, lose the power of that word in us. And you've got to get a hold of this because if you stop them in the street and ask them, do you love Jesus? They would say yes, because they remember they used to go to church. If you say, do you know the word? Yes, same man, the word says. That's not the issue. They've divorced the problem, this offense, from what the Word is saying. But because of that, now there just seems to be. It just seems like whoever they encounter, whoever what happens, the the enemy realizes. He, you know, the enemy knows where our touch points are. There's something about uh, the the, the, fighter. If you if you think of a boxing match. They, they, they tell me what these boxers do is if they have an opponent coming up, they will get videos of previous fights of that person and they will analyze it and they will find out there's certain places. If they can see this certain boxer, whenever he's in a fight, somehow his eye splits open and the blood comes over his eye. And they will see that happen three or four times. That means there's a weak spot there. And they will begin to fight and they will focus on that point because if they can burst that thing again and get the blood in his eyes, now he's disadvantaged. Now, it doesn't sound like fun. It doesn't sound like a nice way to do it, but I'm saying that's how the enemy works. And he will, he's been watching you for decades. He knows what your buttons are. 
Come on. It doesn't matter how much you know somebody. You can say, listen, when you say that, this happens. The enemy knows that. And if he can even get one person to change and not say it that way, he'll get somebody else to say it. And if they come right, then he'll get someone else. How many you notice that happens? Come on, how many you know? There are just certain things. You just, it, can, it can happen out of random. You can just be simply paying for groceries. And Vrachis, the, 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 the cashier, says something. It's like, I don't have enough problems in my life, now you. <laughs> What's happening? The enemy knows how to evoke that. Because if he can get it into a place, then he, what happens? If he can get you constantly angry and resentful, then he can get this word away. Now, why is this so important to know? How many of you have ever had an opportunity for offense? Can I see your hand? Now, if you didn't raise your hand, we will pray later. And you can confess that as a sin. Now, don't get offended now for what I'm saying. Because Jesus said in Luke 17, verse 1, it is impossible that no offenses should come. The opportunity to be offended will always be in your life. It's not like you'll get to a place one day where you say, well, thank God, I'll just never get offended anymore. You will have an opportunity to be offended. But woe to him through whom they do come. <laughs> Jesus says, listen, offenses are coming. Why? Because he knows how the enemy works. But woe to the one through whom it comes. Make sure you're not the one bringing the offense. And he goes on and he explains, if you've got an issue with your brother, you take it to him. And in fact, if we look at the cross reference in Matthew chapter 8, well, 18, it's a, it's a similar reference. Keep your mark there in Luke 17, we're coming back. But look at Matthew 18 verse 21. Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? See, Jesus would refer to it in that particular scripture we just read in Luke, seven times. Now, you think about it. I mean, you can just see Peter going, well, how often should I forgive? Because Jesus keeps talking about this, forgive, forgive, forgive. Seven times. Now, seven times sounds like a good idea. I mean, you, you think that, that's, you can almost see Peter like, seven times. Because, I mean, you know what it's like. You, somebody does something, you forgive them, right? So they come, you forgive them. But it's forgiving the way we sometimes want it forgiven is I'll forgive you as long as you don't. Isn't that right? I want you to know why this hurt me. So I'm going to forgive you. But I won't forget. <laughs> and then what happens? They do the same thing again. It's not like there's a different problem. So now you've got to do what Jesus said. I'm going to forgive them again. So what happens? You forgive a second time. Now, we've spoken about this before. So I'm going to do what Jesus says. I'm going to forgive you. Vrachis. They do it again. A third time. By now, it's like, come, Kim, how, 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 how often are we going to talk about this now? So now we're on. 
free. So I'll forgive you. Okay, now, now just get, look at my eyes. Look, do you see? I'm done with this. And they do it again. Now, now we are like, now we're on four. How many you know about five? You are, and, and Peter is saying, if I get to seven, I must be doing well. Who can get to seven? And Jesus says, nah, I might have said seven before, but then you didn't pick up the whole motive. I say up to 70 times seven. That's 490 times and you blowing up on three or four. Oh, come on. And so what's their response? Lord, increase our faith. How am you saying the same thing? Look at Luke 17, verse four. If he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in that same day. This isn't over a year. Seven times in the same day. And says, I repent, you forgive him. And the apostle said, increase our faith. Family, why, why is this so important? Why is it important? Have a look at Mark chapter 11. Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Because he said, even if you have faith as a mustard seed. So how's this faith work? And he says, surely I say to you, whoever says to the mountain, be removed, be cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes the things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. How do you want to have whatever you say? Are you sure? Because people say, my feet are killing me. Now, now do, do you want to die of feet? If you have whatever you say, we've got to make sure that we're in a place. If we're ready for full power, we've got to watch out for things like, oh, go to hell. Because if our words work every time, that, that, that means earth-splitting power where people drop straight into hell because you just said it. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, he's saying, yeah, we can be in a place where you can have whatever you say. And he says, therefore I say, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. Now, I know that's in your prayer confession list. Those are one of the hallelujah scriptures. But notice the next verse. And when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, Forgive him. See, it's qualified. It's qualified. You can have mountain-moving faith, but it's qualified with this forgiveness. Why? Why is this so important to know? Have a look over here at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Verse four, I beg your pardon. 1 Corinthians 12, verse four. There are diversities of gifts of the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, the same Lord. There are diversities of activities. It's the same God who works all in all. The manifestation of the spirit. Everybody say power. 
is given to everyone for the profit of all. To one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, another faith by the same Spirit, another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. How many of you wouldn't mind at least one of those gifts? All of us. We desire the gifts. And he says, yeah, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to all, to each one individually as he wills. So he goes on and he writes and he says, we should desire the best gifts. We want to see the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. But he says, I'll show you a more excellent way. Everybody say a more excellent way. And he gets to verse 1 of chapter 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned. I mean, this is, sounds like a power Christian. But if I have not love, it profits me nothing. What's he saying? What's so important about this concept of love? Keep your marker here. We're coming right back. Galatians chapter 5 verse 6 says, In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith works through Love. Faith works through love. Let me say it again. Faith works through love. You can put it this way. Faith works by love. You see, we still think of love as an emotion, but I do love them. We're not talking about whether you smile when you see them or you feel goosebumps when you see them. <laughs> or whether you're prepared to hug them when you see them. That's not, that is a form of love. There's an emotional love that will happen. And that is one type of love. There's different ways of looking at love. But the Bible tells us that God is love. It doesn't just say God loves you. It, the word does say God so loved the world that He gave His Son. But why is He loving? Because He is love. Love is a person. It is the very essence of the Spirit. We've been talking about the fourth dimension. What empowers that fourth dimension is God's presence. And God's presence is this concept of love. That's not love by emotion. It's not love because I put up with you till you hurt me. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about an essence of love that that power is what makes faith work. The same way water has a quality to it, that if you throw water on something, it is now wet. So God as love, when He gets involved with you, that's His love that you're feeling. We wouldn't know love. We can have a human emotion called love. Even unsaved people love their dog, they love their hamburgers, they love their, you know, are you with me? But that's not the love we're talking about. We would not know love if love didn't first love us. It is an empowerment within us. It is the very life force, like that battery has no power. That car works because of the 
battery in it. The power that's in the battery. Just the battery on its own is useless. It's the power stored in that battery. Car works by power. By that power within the battery. Faith works by power. What power? Love. The enemy knows this. And if he can short circuit your battery, you can know all the Scriptures, speak in tongues. You can give all your money away. And he says, if, you, if your battery is short circuited, you're not going to see the power working. That offense short circuits your battery. You've got to see this, family. You've got to see this. If he can get you into an issue with a person, you probably smile at them, love them, whatever. You say, I love you, but if, that, if there's something in there, it's short-circuiting. That power that you need for your healing is not able to work. It's like, tick, 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 tick. I believe I'm healed. I believe my God supplies. There's no power. Are you getting a hold of this? The power comes. The power comes when you understand. I'm not going to let anything hinder or get in my way. Jesus said it's impossible that offense does not come. Family of God, I have had opportunity like everybody else to be offended. But when I saw this truth, I need to know that when I speak the word, my family is safe. I need to know when I speak the word over you as partners, you are blessed. I need to know when I lay hands on the sick, they will be recovered. I don't have the privilege of carrying that offense. Because I want that love action. I need to know my battery's fresh. I need to know when I pray in tongues, my battery's been recharged. That when I see someone fall in the street and they're about to die, and I go, I can lay hands on them and they will be healed. Are you getting this? I don't have time to say, wait, 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 I'm going to recharge. Let me, let me, let me get it. Because I had a fight with my wife this morning. Are you with me? I don't want to do that. That's why the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. It's not about be nice to each other and then go sleep. No, anything can happen that night. And I need to know that the full power of God, when I say angels surround this house, we are protected, we are safe. When I sleep, it's a sweet sleep. And I know that we will all wake fresh and, and alive and alert and ready for the next day. I can close my eyes and not even worry about what's coming there because power is at work in this house. When we talk about love, we're not talking about being nice to each other. Well, I love you because, you know, we blood and I have to. You're my child, so I've got to love you. That's not what we're talking about. What are we talking about? Have a look at 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Reading from the Amplified. Love endures long. Love is patient. This is the love that he's described that empowers these gifts to work. Love is kind. Love never is envious. 
It doesn't boil over with jealousy. We've got to watch out when we see someone else blessed. And we say, but where's mine? Love wouldn't do that. Love says, you're blessed. I'm excited for you. Why? What am I doing? I'm letting the powers keep working in my life. If God did it for you, I, I don't have to worry about me having yours. You go ahead, enjoy yours. I know mine's on the way. Love does not display itself haughtily. It's not conceited, arrogant, or inflated with pride. Tell me, you and I have got nothing to be proud of. You know, it's so important. If you have... I'm going to come back here. I just want to read this for time's sake. Have a look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 from the New Living Translation. It says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourselves. What? See, I never want to look down on anybody. Who am I to say I'm better than anyone? And he says here, don't look out for only your own interests. Take an interest in others too. Amen. Come back to 1 Corinthians 13. Love is not conceited, arrogant, inflated with pride. It's not rude. It's not unmannerly. It doesn't act unbecomingly. I know for myself, I used to have a horrible temper, very angry because of what I experienced. Anger and resentment built up inside of me. And just the smallest thing would trigger me. And I learned through studying the Word that whatever you practice lies on the surface. And you can try. I'm, never, I'm not going to lose my temper. Something happens. I'm not going to lose. I'm not going to lose it. I'm not going to lose it. And let them say it one more time. That's her time. Come on. How do you know what I'm talking about? There's only five people here know. And I had to learn. No. Love does not do that. It doesn't respond angrily. So I had to learn to stop practicing that. I'll say in a moment how we do that. So love does not act unbecomingly. Love, everybody say, God's love in us does not insist on its own rights or its own way. It's not self-seeking. See, someone who doesn't understand this, and I was there myself as well, it, you know, it's about me, why people can't see mine, and I, and I don't, and they don't look at me. How many of you understand that people do have different opinions? I'm not going to try and change you to live up to my standard, because I don't look down on you. I'm trusting God that whatever He needs to do in your life, I will pray for you. Even Peter, when... Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times. He said, me? Never. Jesus could have said, yeah, right, Peter. No, he says, no, I've told you what's going to happen, but I'm going to pray that your faith not fail you. Then when you come back, you'll be restored and you will strengthen your brethren. See, that's the love of Jesus. He didn't get offended. Peter's going to, you know, uh, reject me. And you notice that when he was raised from the dead and he met Peter on that shoreline and he's having that conversation with him and he says, Peter, do you love me? 
He didn't say, now, nah, didn't I tell you? What did I say, Peter? What did I tell you? You know, no, no, no. Uh-huh. You notice what Jesus says? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you understand this is more than about you, Peter? Feed my sheep. I need you to understand the power of love is not about you. It's about reaching other people. Somebody say amen. amen. It's not touchy or fretful or resentful. We don't want to live on a hair trigger. Just let somebody say the wrong thing and we explode. No, it's not touchy. Amen. Now, I'm saying these things. I'm reading to you the Word of God. You can say amen. amen. The, 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 the Word is quite plain about it. How do we do it? So he says here, it pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness. Love rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. We're never going to get to a place, that's it, I've had enough. No, it will bear up under anything and everything. I mean, how many you know that by the time Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, that would have been the moment, excuse me, I thought we had a relationship We were friends, but you listen to these ring, these, these people, <laughs> and you put me in the den. How do you know if he had a problem and he let it get inside of him, those lions would have eaten him that night. He had to rest. He had to say, Lord, I forgive him. By the time the king comes, he says, Daniel, yeah, right, now you want to know me. No, he hadn't spent the night meditating on it. He's not spending, who's the Daniel, who's the king, or I think, does he remember when I did this? Does he remember when I did that? Does he, where's this king? How come this king? Night puts me in the prison, and I'm sitting here with a lion. You know he's going to be in trouble. He would have been eaten. He had to keep his heart pure. Why? Faith works by love. He kept loving that king. And the king says, Daniel, you're in there. Long love the king. What did he do? He spent the night meditating on all the goodness of that king. Come on, you got to get a hold of this. Love bears up under everything and anything that comes. It's ever ready. Love's a battery. Amen. It's ever ready. Love is that power. Love is what charges your faith. It's ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. We never give up on people. It endures everything without weakening. Listen to this. Love never fails. Never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Like I said, these things are really simple to speak, but not always easy to apply. How do we do it? Like anything else, by faith. 
Faith comes by? Maybe some of us need to take the scripture and just spend the next few days reading through it. And put yourself in where love is. Because if God is love and you are born of His Spirit, then that same love is in you. And so I can take that. Love is fadeless. Go back to the first scripture again. I'm going to say this. You're going to use your name. Let's do that. Let's, let's, let's do that. Wherever we see word love, you're going to say Alan, and you put your name in there. I'm Alan. Don't, unless you're an Alan, you can use it. But you're going to put your name in there. This is how we do it, by faith. Amen. This is what, this is what I'm telling you what I did to help me stretch. Because the Bible says we roll all our care onto the Lord. Jesus said it's impossible that offense doesn't come. So I have the opportunity, but I respond in love. Verse 4, every time you see the word love, you're going to say Alan. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. You ready? So what's the first word? No, unless your name's love. It could be blessing, it could be memory, it could be John. Samuel. Alan. Okay, you ready? Ready? Alan endures long. Alan is patient and kind. Alan never is envious. Alan doesn't boil over with jealousy. Alan's not boastful or vainglorious. Alan does not display himself haughtily. Alan is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. Alan is not rude or unmannerly. Alan does not act unbecomingly. Alan does not insist on his own rights or his own way. Alan is not self-seeking. Alan is not touchy or fretful or resentful. Alan takes no account of the evil done to him. Alan pays no attention to have suffered wrong. Alan does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when truth, right and truth prevail. Alan bears up under anything and everything that comes. Alan is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Alan's hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. And Alan endures everything without weakening. Alan never fails. Come on, say that again by faith. Come on, say it. Again. Again. Say it with faith. I give your Lord Jesus praise tonight. Come on, let's stand together. Give Him glory. Give Him glory. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Now, the Word has been sown. You know immediately it's coming. Amen. How do you understand? This doesn't stop tribulation or persecution. But you're going to respond correctly. Amen. So what do I do? Something happens, someone says something to me, the same thing that everybody else experiences. There's that little 
You know what that means, eh? I don't have to give you the Greek word for it. So what I do, I take that captive. That is a work of the enemy. I take it captive to the submission of Jesus. It doesn't mean that we don't need to address it because Jesus did say, if you have ought against your brother, take it to him so that he will hear you. So we do, there are things that we do need to address, but I refuse to be offended over it. I refuse to respond negatively. One of the things I did learn is that when something happens, you get on your email, you go, top the whole thing out. Do not press send. Do not, do not. I need to give them a piece of mind. Not now, you don't. You got that out? Pause. Sleep one more night. Just rest. Relax. Take the word. Lay it before God. Say, Father, I refuse to go to bed in anger. I lay it down and I trust you. Take out the scripture. Read it. Love never fails. I endure long. I expect the best. I'm not sure where this came from, but I'm going to expect the best. I'm trusting the best of that person. And then let the Spirit of God dwell within you. And then you respond from a heart of love. And you'll see a whole different positioning. Now you're in a place where power can work. And that power begins to go into operation. And when you lay hands on the sick, now they recover. You speak into your finances, now they multiply. That ministry works and increases. Are you getting what I'm saying? Do you receive something tonight? Come on, let's give Jesus praise for his word. Hallelujah. Say this, tonight I heard the word of God. And that word brought faith to my heart. I am a believer, not a doubter. As a hearer of God's word, I'm also a doer. And I know from this day on, as I live by the standard of God's word, as Jesus described it, he saw great power in his work because as he lived his life, that power was in operation because he lived by love. And I thank God he forgave me. That means I am entirely capable of loving the same way. When I do, my faith works by that love. And I thank God that I'm able to walk this way by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God.